Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. We're in this series called Joy Found Series, and we're looking at this issue of how do, how do you find joy in life that is not temporary, uh, like happiness? How do you find this issue of joy that is not tied to circumstances or situations in your life? And so Jesus is, is preaching a sermon that we're looking at, and we're looking at this issue of, of the different beatitudes that, that he taught. And so it's just one statement right after another, but they're just not any statements. These statements are just so deep that if we could understand them, and if we we could learn to apply them in our life, our marriages, our relationships, where we work. It'd make a tremendous amount of difference in our life. And so today, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, uh, Jesus makes this statement. He said, blessed, in other words, joy is found. Blessed is, is the peacemakers, or blessed are the peacemakers. In other words, blessed is the person, or joy is found in the person, the man or the woman, who can bring peace to a situation. That word peacemaker means to, to, to reconcile two parties together, uh, to, to make peace, um, to bring peace to a situation or a circumstance where there is not normally peace. And so he says, joy is found in the man or the woman, who is a peacemaker. And then all of a sudden he says, for they will be, for they will be called sons of God. In other words, that people will be able to look into their life and say, you know what, there's something different about this individual. There's either something different about them personally, their relationship to God. But isn't that what Jesus said with the disciples? His, his, his prayer to them was, love one another just as I have loved you so that people will know that you're my disciple. I mean, the way that people know that we are Christians, the way that people know that we follow Jesus Christ is not by the denominational tag we hang on our name, not the church that we go to, not the scripture, none of that. The way that people know that we are a believer, what Jesus said is, love one another the same way that I have loved you. Now, it's real interesting about the ministry of Jesus Christ because he was a peacemaker, and he is a peacemaker. And, and Jesus came into this world. He was fully God and fully man. He went to the cross. He died on the cross for our sins on our behalf so that we can be reconciled, so that we can make peace with God. And so Jesus Christ was a peacemaker. And so when you look at his life, he calls to follow him initially uh, 12 disciples or 12 apostles. I don't know if you know anything about these men, but there's no reason because of their background that these men should have ever gotten along. I mean, Simon the Zealot. I mean, Simon the Zealot, if you don't know anything about him, he was, he was a part of a, of, a, of a group, an underground guerrilla group that they, they hated the political system. And they were these men that were skilled, and they carried these daggers. It was just a short, flat blade. And they carried the, 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 the dagger in their robe. And they would go in a, in a crowd, and they could walk up to someone that they wanted to assassinate politically. And they could take that knife, and they were very skilled at it, and they could slip that blade between two ribs and assassinate someone without anybody even knowing who did it and just, just disappear in the crowd. And, and Simon the Zealot... He was, he was against anything of, of Roman rule. And then Jesus calls Matthew to join the group. And Matthew was this guy. He was a tax collector. I mean, tax collectors of their day were, were corrupt and they were crooked and, and uh, they were seen as traitors. And so he calls Matthew into this group. And there's no reason that Simon the Zealot and Matthew should ever get along. 
And he called people like Simon Peter, and he called people uh, like, like the Apostle John, who was also named, uh, nickname was Sons of Thunder, which, which it, was, it, was, it was a word that they gave for his fist because he was a, a violent person. And Jesus took these 12 men from different backgrounds, from different pasts, from different issues, and he brought peace to the situation, and he brought, he brought peace to life. And it... Man, the stories about these guys. I mean, Jesus spent a little bit over three years with them. Remember, when they betrayed him, and they all walked away from him, and Simon Peter kind of looked at him after all that Jesus had done for them, and, and Jesus asked him the question, he says, Simon, and you're going to leave me too? Are you going to betray me too? I mean, it was Simon Peter who also denied Christ. I mean, he cowered to a little middle school girl and said, I don't don't even know him. Remember when the disciples got in the argument over who was the greatest and Jesus had to step in and and talk to them about that? Or, Or the time that they started arguing about who would sit on the right hand of the Father? And the scripture says that they got in this argument to the depths to where they became indignant of one another. In other words, it was just this huge conflict. And you see time after time in Jesus' ministry with these 12 guys that they would walk away from him, that they wouldn't pray with him, uh, that they denied him. And he was continually over and over having just to settle disagreements with them. And he had to forgive them. And then near his death, Jesus got all these guys together and it was like his last words before he would go to the cross and, and, and die on behalf of our sins and, and being raised again. And if you know anything about last words, that your last words that someone speaks is really important. I, I still remember my grandmother's last words when she called each grandchild into her hospital room and just spoke into their, their life that your last words are very important. And so Jesus got the 12 disciples together, and he says, just, just pull in really close. You guys, and we've been together for a little bit over three years, and I'm about ready to go to a place where you cannot go, but I will not leave you as or- orphans. And, and here, here, here's what I ask. This is all I ask. That just as, just as I have loved you, Guys, you know how much I've loved you. Well, you know when you betrayed me, and you know that, that when you have walked away, and you know when you have denied me, and, and you know all the talks that we have had and some of the attitudes that have gone on. You, you know what I've forgiven you of. You know what your life would be like without me. He says, so guys, here's what I ask. Just as I have loved you, just as I have forgiven Matthew, remember what happened when we went to your house after I called you in? Guys, you remember who was at Matthew's house? And the guys are going, yeah. There were some people at Matthew's house that day at that party that my mama told us don't ever hang out with those type of people. And Jesus said, yeah. Remember how much criticism I got? Because people accuse me of being a friend of sinners because of the people I hung out with. Man, I didn't judge. I didn't judge you. I didn't condemn you, guys. Just as I loved you, 
I want you to love one another. Because the way you love one another speaks volumes to a community and a group of people who do not know me. I mean, he says the way you love one another, people will know. People will know that you're mine. People will know that you're my disciple. And Jesus said in the beatitude before that, joy is found in the man or the woman who is a peacemaker. For they will be called sons and daughters of God because people will know, a community will know that there is something different about you. Just a few issues and a few things about this issue of peace. And, and, and the first one is this, is that some of the difficulty is, is we by nature and by choice, we're just people of war, right? I mean, by, by, by the flesh, by the sin nature, um, by nature and by choice. Man, we're just people of, of war. fact is, I did a little bit of research, and, and there's 3,500 years of re- recorded history. Do you realize over 3,500 years of recorded history, world history, that there has only been 8% of the time that our world has been at peace entirely? Only, only 286 years our world has been out of pe- at peace out of 3,500 3, years. And when you look at this issue that just by nature we want to fight and just by nature we, we, we just have something within us and, and, and by choice. I mean, I mean you look, look, look at our heroes of today. Look, look at our movies. They're just so violent. And the hero is what? A hero is the most violent person that, yes, peace comes, but peace comes at the end when he's like, or she is like annihilated everybody and taken everybody out, right? Now, you guys may be in a different generation than me, but, but I, was, I was raised uh, in Texas, and, and I was raised in a time when we watched, we watched war movies and westerns. I mean, that's what you did when you were, you were Texans, especially westerns. John Wayne movie, I, I, watched, I watched with my dad, and, and uh, uh, well, combat. Remember, maybe some of you aren't old enough, but you, maybe you are. Uh, combat, remember 12 o'clock high and combat and 12 o'clock high. We watch it on a black and white TV. No high def for us, no way. And only three channels. And you know what? We didn't really care about high def. We didn't know it was available and it ever come available. We were just happy when we get the rabbit ear antennas the right way so the screen didn't like scroll or we saw all these ghost images. Remember that? Or it looked like it was snowing and it said, I didn't think it snowed there. Oh, that's static. And so that's what we dealt with, young people, uh, uh, with TV. I mean, we did not have any high def. And we had these movies that just peace came, but peace came through how? It came through, through violence. The fact is, uh, in, in the 90s when they, they did the remake of, of the Alamo, I had a friend that walked in and, and came through and greeted me. I greeted him here at church and he handed me a VHS tape and he says, I said, what's this? He goes, oh, it's just a gift for you. He says, I recorded the movie, the Alamo. I recorded it backwards so it'd have a happy ending for you. And so, yeah. <laughs> it's... And so when you look at our movies, okay, 
So you look at our movies of today, who are our heroes? There's some violent people. There's some people that obtain peace, but how do they attain, attain peace? They attain peace through violence. You can look at our movies. You can look at our, our computer games, and, and you can look at the things that are on the market. That there's just a, We just have a lot of violence, whether it's, whether it's the lyrics that we sing uh, in songs now of secular music or anything else. You see that our society, I mean, you look at us, whether it's politically or, or economically or, social, or in, in the social arenas or anything. We're just people. You take a two-year-old child And you put that two-year-old child, I mean, nobody has to teach them, right? You put that two-year-old child in a room with other two-year-old children, and all of a sudden you start hearing things like, this is my room, these are my toys, these are my clothes, this is my territory, and all that other stuff. Any of you that are parents and you ever did a vacation where, like, you drove, remember that? I remember a time that Brittany and Amanda were in the back seat and we were driving somewhere back to Texas to see family. And so like this, this disagreement, you know, you know how it happens and it's just, it's just ongoing. And so finally I'm like, okay, here's the deal. We're going to draw an imaginary line down the back seat. Brittany, this is your side. Amanda, this is your side. Whatever, let me tell you something. Anybody cross the line again, I'm pulling over. I'm not even waiting for a rest stop. Someone can hit us for all I care. I, we will settle this. You know that type of deal when you're just totally frustrated? And so I said, imaginary line. Brittany, you stay on your side. Amanda, stay on your side. And uh, we're going, and it was, you know, five minutes apiece. And, and all of a sudden, Brittany goes, Dad, Amanda is now looking out my side of the car. I'm like... That's not even your window. I bought that window. I mean, that's not even your window. There's just something, I mean, there's just something about us that we're just by nature and by choice, we're just, man, we're people of war. Some people are just, man, they are walking through life just looking for a disagreement. But listen, let me tell you something. That was not the ministry of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ grabbed a couple of disciples that were known for men of violence and and men of just rebellion, and he totally and completely transformed their life. And at the end, he says, hey, the way I have loved you, the way you have seen me love you and forgive you and accept you and pursue you, here's, here's the deal. I want you to love one another. Matthew, the way I loved you, I want you to love Simon. And I want you to love John. And I want you to love Andrew. What you have seen in me. Have you ever gotten mad at someone? These are rhetorical questions. Don't answer out loud. (laughs) You ever gotten mad at someone at church? Probably. You ever gotten mad at someone at the office where you work, school? Most likely. You ever gotten mad at someone in your home? This is where you really don't flinch, because I'm going to get personal. <laughs> you ever been on your way to church, and you're going to praise God and talk about Jesus loves you, this I know, the Bible tells me so, and all that stuff, and you got all these expectations, and you end up in a fight with your family on the way to church? Yeah, there's kind of that nervous laughter, right? Like, wow, you're getting kind of close to home. You know what, I, I, just a little bit of a testimony. I, I, I can honestly tell you this. 16 years, uh, Karen and I have never, ever had a fight on the way to church. We drive separate. 
We just have to be here at different times. You know what? It may cost you a little bit more in gas, but it may be worth it. Because at least maybe when you got there, there's not the, like this cold war going on. Like, hey, we got to be good and we got to seem like everything's good for everybody looking in. But right now... Because we know this, right? We, we have this sin nature. By nature, we are people of war. I mean, there are some people, they are just looking for a disagreement. They are just looking for an, an argument. And even by choice. But, but here's the paradox. Here's the strange thing. We desire peace. And really, when you get down to this issue of desiring peace, this isn't a, a, a God follower, a non-God follower, a Christian or non-Christian issue. Man, when you look at this issue, there are people who do not know God that desire peace. There are people who know God that desire peace. And so we have this, this, this paradox that we have this conflict that goes on because down deep we desire peace. I mean, you hear people all the time talk. We, we, we want world peace and we'll sing for world peace and we'll raise money for world peace and, and we, just, we just all need to get we just all need to learn to get along. And you hear people all the time talk about, because the paradox is this, is that we really desire, man, we desire peace. Then we're a walking paradox, if you will. That's why Jesus said, man, just learn to love one another. Just as I have loved you. I don't know if you know the story about the Nobel Peace Prize. Alfred Bernard Nobel is the man that developed it, the man that started it, the man that it's named after. It was 1867, and Alfred Nobel was, was 30, 34 years old. He not only invented dynamite, but he developed the patent of dynamite. He made a lot of money. It was, it was sold for, you know, they used it in war and killing of people and all this other stuff. Many years after developing dynamite and the patent and the whole deal, Alfred Nobel's brother passes away. And Alfred that morning picked up the paper and turned to the obituary and the newspaper made a mistake. And they published Alfred's obituary in the paper. He's reading his obituary. I mean, he knows it's a mistake. And he comes to the line that says, Alfred Bernard Nobel will be most remembered for the invention and the patent of dynamite and what it meant in war. I mean, he had a sobering moment. And Alfred Nobel said, I don't want that for my legacy. I don't want to be remembered for the destruction of, of lives. And it led Alfred Nobel to develop the Nobel Peace Prize. In fact, is the first six awards were funded from the proceeds of the making and the selling of dynamite. Let me ask you. If your obituary was written today, what would be your legacy? 
A lot of people talk about the legacy that they'll leave, but let me tell you this. The legacy that you'll leave is the life that you're living right now. So let me ask you, what is your legacy? Is it a man or woman of peace? A man or a woman that can bring peace to a home, a business, a church, a community? Or are you known for being bitter, angry, unforgiving? Are difficult to be around with. See, my fear is that Christians can miss what Scripture teaches and and how to apply it, and and that there's some Christians that, man, they know tons of Scripture and they know tons of doctrine, and you can you can you can mention a Scripture to them and they can exegete it in a heartbeat, and they can pull out the principles and tell you the story and tell you what it means. They can go through you, they can walk through you with doctrines and all this other stuff. But they cannot forgive their son. They cannot forgive their daughter. They cannot forgive or give their husband or their wife. Or they cannot forgive that person of their past that has criticized them, hurt them, or they feel like has betrayed them. See, the Scripture teaches and what Jesus taught in the ministry of Christ was that peace only comes through a person. That's why they called Jesus the, the Prince of Peace. That, that the Scripture says that we were, we were born separated from God and, and that our, our sins separated us from a holy and a righteous God. And the Scripture says that there's only one mediator between us and Him. And that Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, came and He lived a life without sin that was just in perfection. And he who knew no sin went to the cross and died for us. And that when we, when we accept him and we start a relationship with him, man, we are reconciled to God and the war is like over. The war is done. That we're in direct relationship with him. Let, let me tell you something. Man, if you're looking for church membership or the a church that you attend to bring you peace, it will not bring you peace. If you're looking for taking of the Lord's Supper or baptism or or serving in ministry, it will not bring you peace. There are so many people that keep looking for the church or someone to bring them peace. Listen, the Scripture says only Jesus Christ can bring peace. And you enter into a relationship with him, and then out of an overflow you do those things. But listen, let me tell you something. Something that you do will never bring you peace is a relationship. That's what happened to the disciples. I mean, you see in their life and how much they were how much they were tra- changed when when Christ transformed their life. And the last thing is this about this whole issue and listen. I think it's critical for our families and for our homes, for churches, for society, for Christians. You just grab this because when, 
when you start talking about stuff like that, there's some people that, whoa, 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 wait a minute, teach us the deep stuff. You know what the deep stuff is of Scripture? Just as I have loved you, love one another, forgive one another, accept one another. That, listen, let me tell you, the disciples had trouble with that. Remember, remember Jesus gets them all together and says, okay, guys, press in really close. I'm about to go to a place where you cannot go. But I will not leave you as orphans, and the comforter will come, and all that stuff. And he says, and then love one another just as I have loved you. And Simon Peter from the back says, question. Where are you going? Let's talk about the doctrine of heaven. Where are you going? She's like, Simon Peter, the deep stuff of Scripture is not where I'm going. Just as I've loved you, And love one another. See what the scripture teaches is the third thing is this is that we are we only have peace when we're at peace. We we only become peacemakers when we're at peace. You know why there's some people that are just angry and resentful and bitter unresolved issues of the past. Whether it's a mom or a dad or a ex-wife, ex-husband, ex-relationship, boss, person in authority that has betrayed you and hurt you. And you are unwilling to release and you are unwilling to forgive. You see, you cannot give out what you do not have. The reason there's a lot of people that are not peacemakers the reason there's a lot of people that come into a situation and, and just make it, make it worse is because they themselves are, they're not at peace. It, there's sometimes circumstances that we can walk through in life that God takes us through that it uncovers some unresolved issues of our life. There's a couple of things about this issue of peace and peacemakers. And, and, and the first thing is this, is we need to be able to make peace with others. I mean, we, we need to end the war. We need to throw up the white flag. We, we need to, look, Paul wrote this. I mean, it goes with the teachings of Christ, but this is what Paul wrote in, in Romans 12, 18. He says, he said, so if possible, so here we go. Here's the deep things of Scripture. If possible... As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with the people you like, the people that love you back, the people that you agree with, you agree with their past, you agree with their their issues, you agree. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. Now, the Greek word for all, you know what it means? All. Everyone. 
whether you like them. You know, I hear this stuff in Christian circles all the time. Well, I'm just called to love you. I don't like you. Does that help anyone? Is that even helpful? You know what Paul's saying? Listen, Paul's saying, you may not live at peace with everyone. There are some people that have this war and this anger going on inside of them to where they're always looking for a war. They're always looking for you. Do. And Paul says, but if someone burns the bridge of your relationship, let them light the match. You never hear the disciples say, you know what? I'm not one of the twelve as long as Matthew's in. Long as John the Baptist's in, long as he keeps coming up to these meetings, I'm not showing up. We have Christians all the time says, so as long as he's going to this church, I'm not coming. I'm not serving with her. I'm not serving. I just totally disagree with them. You don't see any of that. Jesus was teaching them. I mean, they brought down an empire without force, without strength. Because when their community, man, I'm telling you, when their community saw Christians martyred and how they loved one another, it changed the whole community. For us, when Jesus says, just as I loved you, love one another, that in our times, when, when Pueblo, Colorado, when our community presses in and looks at Fellowship of the Rockies, what should be so attractive to them is this issue. Wow. Man, how they love one another. That's unbelievable. I mean, to when they look at believers and they say, you know what, I don't get that whole God thing, and I don't know that I want to be a Jesus follower, because that kind of weirds me out right now. But I really like how those men treat their wives. I really like how those wives treat their husbands. Man, I really like how those parents treat their children and children treat their parents. And I really like how Christian bosses and Christian supervisors treat those that work for them with honor and grace and dignity. I really like how a Christian worker works with excellence and gets that what Colossians says that that we do our work as if unto the Lord for it is the Lord that repays us and not men I don't get that whole Jesus thing but I'd like to be loved like that. I'd like to be accepted like I'd, I'd like to be I'd like to be forgiven like that cuz I got I got so many issues. Can you imagine what it would happen to our marriages and our families and our community if we just lived this out? Can you imagine what would happen if we said seven days? Seven days. I'm going to love one another as Christ loved me. 
I'm going to serve. I'm going to zip my mouth. I'm going to forgive. Seven days. Can you imagine what would happen and how it would change our marriages and our relationships? Oh, not to get anything in return. Because your family will see right through that. But because he has called us, love one another. Just as I have loved you. And, and I totally get it. In all of the circles that you travel in, you're probably the only balanced person in your family, and you're the only balanced person at work, and you're the only, you know, your wife is a wreck, your husband is a wreck, the kids are a wreck, your boss is a wreck, and everybody are idiots but you. And I get that. But what would happen We just sat down with people. I forgive you. To the very best of my ability, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn to love you. As Jesus loves me. Story is told about Robert E. Lee. He was a general, General Lee, and and he served under Jefferson Davis, who was the president of the Confederacy, along with a, a general named General Whiting. And General Whiting hated General Lee. I mean, he criticized him. He talked about him. He slandered him. I mean, behind his back, he made fun of all of his decisions. He made fun of everything that was going on. I mean, he hated General Lee. And the day came that Jefferson Davis went to General Lee and said, Listen, I, I got this special task. And I, what general would you recommend for this? And he says, oh, that's easy. General Whiting. I think General Whiting would be perfect for this assignment. And so Jefferson David promoted him, gave him the assignment, sent him out. Some friends of General Lee heard about this whole situation, and so they thought that, that he was just uninformed. So the friends went to, to General Lee and says, do you not understand? All General Whiting has done is criticized you and gossiped about you and slandered you and and, and belittled you. I mean, we've seen it. You know, do you not know that? And he goes, well, 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 wait a minute. I think you guys are confused. Jefferson Davis asked me of what I thought of General Whiting. He did not ask me what General Whiting thinks of me. And let me tell you something. You cannot control what people say about you. You can't. They're going to come up with their judgments. They may judge you from a distance without even knowing the details. You cannot control what people say, but guess what? You can control what you say about others. What would happen? Just as Christ loved us, we're going to love one another. Last thing is this. We not only need to make peace with others, we need to make peace with God. You cannot give out what you do not have. When you understand that you have been forgiven of much, 
and that you are totally and completely forgiven. You are perfect in him. You don't need to carry any shame or unresolved issues of the past. You are totally and completely forgiven. When you get that, when you understand that, when you have that relationship with him, you handle your relationships differently. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?